You're listening to Episode 5 of Partnerships and Possibilities, a podcast on leadership. In this episode, two stories of great leadership. We pick up where the conversation left off last time. Hi, I'm Sharon. And I'm Diana. And we're going to be talking about leadership in organizations. Leadership in organization happens at all levels and takes many forms. So tell me a story. Ah, tell you a story. Tell me, thinking, thinking back over your experiences in organizations, because um, mm-hmm. I know you've had quite a few, Yeah. and your leadership roles, tell me a story about leadership. I know, you, I know you've got them. I know you've got them. I, I know I'm putting you on the spot, but well, and I'll, then I'll tell mine. Okay. You tell yours. So you want you want a story about good leadership or bad leadership? <laughs> well, because I could illustrate le- both. Modeling. Yeah. Modeling. Let's model good Let's leadership. Let's model good leadership. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, we'll talk about our mistakes later in that future podcast. We'll talk right. about mistakes. Um. Well, I think I think the probably the when I think back to my time in big organizations, mm-hmm. um, it, there, there's one very clear leadership that stands out. One period of time, mm-hmm. and so I was working for someone who um, really did treat everyone on the his staff, um, as equals and experts in their area, he very rarely would come to us and say, this is the way it's going to be about anything. He, he, he'd sort of gather people together in kind of think tanks. Mm -hmm. All right. So here's X, Y, Z issue or problem that we're faced with. Who are the right people to bring into this conversation? Not everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, he was smart about understanding that not everybody had standing in right. every conversation or decision, even though they might mm-hmm. have wanted to. And so he, he, he would bring people together. He would listen to various points of view. Then he often would take one or two people out of that larger group and say, okay, we've all now heard the same information. You two go off and think about what you've just heard. And come back to me with a proposal, so that um, if there was more information to be gotten or whatever, you know, th- there was a mechanism for doing it. Um, he really encouraged debate. There was a lot. There were a lot of. Uh, there was a, a a kind of pull and tug there between several people on the staff that were older and were used to a more uh, traditional way of thinking and then several of us that were younger and were trying to kind of um, uh, bring a more um, contemporary point of view. Um, And he was good about sort of straddling that line and and sometimes explaining to the if you will the one side why we were going to go with more of the others so so i think in general people felt really respected mm-hmm. and i 
I don't think that everyone felt this way, but I would say that most of us in that group um, talked about what a wonderful experience it was mm -hmm. to work with him, um, that we would have, you know, kind of, uh, I don't know what the right word is, but, you know, sort of fallen on the sword for him. Um, he always had our backs. Mm -hmm. when, when, when other parts of the organization would, um, how could you, how, he would come and get the story from us and um, find out what had really happened and if he thought the other, other folks were being unreasonable, unfair, you know, he would act as an advocate with us um, to try to get it resolved. I mean, it, one way or another, it had mm -hmm. to be resolved, but I never felt like I was being hung out to dry. Mm -hmm. and, and that had happened with other bosses. Mm -hmm. That's not so uncommon in big organizations is that somebody takes the blame, you know? Right. And often it's the lower level person. Mm -hmm. I never felt that way with him. Yeah. So, um, Sounds like he really relied on the power of the cross-functionality, too. There were many different perspectives. Yes. As well as many different levels of experience, yes. many different uh, professional perspectives in yep. that group that would, uh, I, I would think, would make some very rich problem-solving for that. Yeah. Different and ways I, of thinking. I was the only woman. Yeah. Um, I mean, this was at a time when there weren't very many women in, yeah. in middle management mm -hmm. or upper management mm -hmm. and I was the only woman on the team and um, I mean occasionally he he slipped up a little bit but but um, my point of view as a woman was often different than the men in the group mm -hmm. and he made sure he didn't always agree with me but he made sure that I was heard mm -hmm. and that meant a lot to me mm -hmm. and it began to shift a pattern mm -hmm. of how people um, listened and whether they took what I was saying seriously. Yeah. Um, and I don't mean me personally, but I mean me as a woman. So, so saying, you know, there's some things we're not thinking about here or whatever, um, that, was, that was very formative for the other people in the group. So right. that was an important role that he served in that in, as a leader there. Yeah. Well, you know, my story has to do with um, something, uh, you know, something that I, a, a dilemma that I had to face as a leader. And it had to do with um, our vision of what, what does service mean in, in, and what, what is our product? Mm, mm -hmm. And um, it was when I was... Um, managing a group of people. I think there were about six people in this particular group. And um, and we were a temporary organization. We knew from the beginning that we would not, we weren't going to be going on and on, but we were brought together to handle a particular situation and a particular problem. And about, mm, a third of the way into getting our work done and getting through all the all the folks that we all, all the things that we needed to do to to do our work um i was told that uh 
I was given a message that I had to reduce staff. Mm. And, you know, the people on my staff, each, they, it was very cross-functional. They each had a particular role to play, mm-hmm. and they each brought a particular perspective, mm-hmm. and, and they each uh, had uh, different connections yeah. with the clients. Uh-huh. And I looked at that situation and said, you know, this is going to, whoever I get rid of, would really compromise our ability to actually do the job we were asked to do. And so I thought about it for a little while and I and I went I went back and I asked some questions about, you know, what's what's the real issue here? Is it a money saving issue? Is it a you know, what is it? And I was told it was a budgetary issue that um and and so in my solution was uh, to go back to them and say, I don't really want to lose any of these people. Uh, so what I would like to do is keep them all. And I had a conversation, of course, with them about the about the problem. And um, and I said, what I would like to do is for all of us, including myself, mm-hmm. to just take less hours, to take fewer sure. hours, mm-hmm. to to reduce our time. And what I got back from my bosses, my managers, was complete shock <laughs> that I would be willing to uh-huh. do that. Right. And I said, well, you know, we signed on for a job here, and I just don't see how right. we're going to do this job. Right. And they said, well, well, what if we what if we want to get in touch with you at any time of any day? And I said, well, pick up the phone. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, we'll work it out, right? Yeah. And... um and so that's, in the end, that's what we did. We yeah. experimented with that for a while. Uh, I think it was a couple of months. And then some other things shifted. Some of the some of the, peop- the uh, customers we were serving got completely, they, they got what they needed. Mm-hmm. And so then, but, but also the folks who were most connected with those clients, the ones that... We and that did end up leaving the group. Um, they had a much longer time to know that was coming and to prepare for that and to you know get sure. themselves ready, and so on. And and it felt like I mean I think earlier on we talked about courage mm-hmm. and 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 just the courage to. Um, I mean I felt like it it took courage it did for on my part and on my on the part of my staff members to say we're going to look for a completely innovative solution here that nobody's offering us yet yeah yeah and um and find one that works for everybody including our customers our organization and ourselves yeah and make sure that 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 all of those can be served and and it felt really good to I do that, but it felt risky. Sure, sure. Um, and it, but it was totally worth it. Yeah, it was totally worth it in the end. And in the, you know, and after a few months, actually, the they came, the organization came back to me. My bosses came back to me, and they said, "Well, you know, we really want you to be working full time." So we found some more money. Oh, <laughs> you know, so, you know. Um, so that was another thing. I mean, I, I, I'm not really a poker player, but in some ways I think I kind of called their bluff. Yeah. 
It's like, yeah. what really is it you want to have happen here? And do you really want me to do the job that you've given me to do? Yeah. And so uh, in the end, it really paid off Yeah. that we took that risk. Yeah. Um, it could have gone a different way. Right. But, but, you know, in every, I mean, in the yeah. literature, there are there's lots of stories about yeah. organizations where people um, made that kind of a choice. Um where a, a plant or an organization faced with a need to cut people decides to, you know, somebody has the guts to say, no, we're not going to just lay off people. Everybody's going to take less and yeah. whatever, whatever. And then when business comes back, they're ready to yeah. go. They haven't lost they, any of their intellectual capital. Exactly. And people, they've 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 cultivated a kind of loyalty and community that is, you know, irreplaceable. Right. So, yeah, and yeah. it's not and it's not new. No, I mean, what's what what's interesting to me about that is that there's a story in my family mm. from my grandfather mm. in the 1930s in the Depression who was working at an automotive plant, because mm -hmm. uh, I grew up in the Midwest, and right. that's what people did. And, um, and, and they, that, the plant managers did that. Rather than laying a bunch of people off and putting a bunch of people out of work, they reduced everybody's hours. Right. And, and it actually got to the point where everybody's hours were reduced a lot. A lot. Mm -hmm. um, but... He was so loyal to that company, mm -hmm. and he really felt that they had his back through the rest of his life. Right, and right. and there was just and, and it created a relationship, and on a practical basis, you know, they kept all that knowledge. All you right. know, those folks didn't go somewhere else; those folks stayed there, and and they kept the knowledge. They kept the goodwill. They kept the the working relationships people knowing how to work with each other there was so much there to to preserve that they and they figured out a way to do that and that was almost a hundred years ago now right. I mean, it's 80 years ago and so it's not like this is a brand new idea nope. to think in new ways what we think of as new ways right uh, about how can we solve some of the some problems, particularly problems of lack. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, my friend Esther and and um, colleague and um, the very wise Jerry Weinberg talk about you know when you have a lack of something, the really the only thing you can do is get some. You know? <laughs> And, and so thinking about things not from the perspective of, well, we just don't have enough to go around. Mm -hmm. if, if we don't have enough money to go around, all we can think about is, can we get more money? Mm -hmm. But if we think about the problem in a different way, if we don't think about it as lacking money, but as uh, we have we have this pool of knowledge, how do we preserve it in the in the face of shifting conditions that opens up a whole other 
range of solutions. Right. And and possible actions that we can take. Right. You yeah. know, you know, um, someone who's very involved in the um, world hunger and yeah. food um, uh, community told me a couple of years ago something along those lines that I was very surprised about that um, the the issue about hunger is not that there's a lack of food yeah. it's about the lack of appropriate distribution right and um, that wasn't I had never thought about it quite that yeah. way and yeah once you start thinking once you define a problem differently it opens up different solutions right. and the possibility then of influencing the patterns right. becomes much much greater because there are different places you can touch the problem right. um, than you might have thought otherwise. That's it for this podcast. We'd love to hear your questions and comments. Feel free to leave a comment on the blog or email us leadershippodcast at gmail.com. This has been episode five of Partnerships and Possibilities, a podcast on leadership. Thanks for listening.